to feel a real bond with your plant family. Just don't name them because they're going to be delicious. Get help donating your surplus to local food banks from The Home Depot and ampleharvest.org. It feels like spring at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Allstate, where you can save just by being you. DriveWise and the Allstate mobile app gives you personalized driving feedback. And by adding it to your policy, you can save for driving safe just by being yourself. Allstate. Here, better protection costs a whole lot less. You're in good hands with Allstate. Click, call, or visit Allstate.com to save today. Not available in every state. Savings based on DriveWise and other safeguarding discounts. Savings vary. Subject to terms and conditions. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM. KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Whoa, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hey, Massive, thank you to all of the phone calls in hours one and two, an entire hour of no guest. Just y'all, great points, great points. Enjoying it as we get closer to game five, special one-hour pregame show beginning at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN New Orleans. Tip time is 9 o'clock, game five, Suns and Pels. And don't forget the big news that we let off the show with, Thursday's Crew of Katie's. That's what we're going to be doing here from here on out on Thursdays. Going to a member of the Katie's family of restaurants. We will start it off this Thursday at Francesca, the deli over on Harrison, 515 Harrison Avenue between West End Boulevard and Canal Boulevard. You can't miss it. Come on out. We'll obviously be getting ready for game six, hopefully a closeout game, and the first round of the NFL draft. So come on by. We'll be at one of those restaurants here, and you'll have plenty of time to know where we will be each and every Thursday. So looking forward to that, finally getting back out and seeing you guys out there. We bring in Mr. John DeShazer, NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans color analyst right here on your home for Pelicans basketball, fresh from shoot-around. John, good afternoon. How how are you, or more importantly, how's the graph? Is he pacing already? Um, not well, you know what, you know, grass does his own thing. So, you know, I hadn't been around him a whole lot. He kind of separates <laughs> off and goes and does his work and, and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, all things considered, you know, two, two on the road against the number one seed. I don't know how anyone can be displeased right now. So I think he's good. I think one of the things that that's incredible that I look at really is, and you felt this here as well. And I've talked about it with some of our guests earlier, JD is, there were people after the game Sunday, all day yesterday, saying that it was one of the greatest sporting events they've attended here in the city. That's incredible because there's a pretty good list of games that, whether it's Saints, Pelicans, or whatever, that's been pretty good. Have you gotten that as well? Yeah, and, and I think I think the perspective to put on that is this. You're talking about the number eight seed against the one seed. You're talking about uh, big-time underdogs. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, the dome reopening and, and you know, Gleason blocking the punt or – you know, it was Final Four games or, you know, it was, you know, the playoff games against Portland where they swept them and that kind of thing. I think they're looking at it from the perspective of this team has been such a surprise and such a, a pleasant surprise to be in this position. I think that's what everybody is feasting off of because, look, when you're talking about starting 1-12, ain't nobody looking at you as a playoff team. And so to have to fight all the way back and, you know, scratch through the playoff play-ins and then get into the playoffs, and be 2-2 and 
Look, I think if the Pels had lost that game Sunday, I don't think anybody would have been upset with them for being down 3-1 and, and maybe losing the series 4-1. I don't think anyone would have been would have been upset. But to win that game and to win the way they did and show the fight that they did and the backbone that they did, man, I think I think everybody looked at it like, you know what, this is something special. I think one of the things that also stands out too, man, is, is just the play of everybody. I mean, look, we could just probably have a segment on BI, three straight 30 point games. So huh, JD, I mean, play of Valanciunas, how key he has been. But I said this yesterday when I opened up the show. I feel like when I close my eyes, I think of game four, it's Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado, dude. The chant in the middle of that game is incredible. Well, every every city loves an underdog. And who's a bigger underdog than Jose Alvarado? You're talking about an undrafted rookie out toe-to-toe, 94 feet against Chris Paul. And Chris Paul basically, you know, kind of saying, get off me. And Jose's like, no, no, this is the way I do it. And so, you know, to see him just continue to progress. Because at the beginning of the season, he didn't have a teardrop in the lane. Beginning of the season, he wasn't a guy that you respected from three-point range. But he has made his mark on this team. And I, I keep referring to if Kyra Lewis Jr. doesn't tear his ACL, maybe we don't know about Jose Alvarado. Crazy. But Jose Alvarado takes advantage of that situation. Uh, not that you want to see anything bad happen sure. to Kyra Lewis Jr., but, man, he goes out there and basically takes over. And then Herb is – I don't know what Herb is. Herb is some kind of freak. You know, I, I, first I, I kind of – you know, I kind of likened him to Stacey Augment, but with a little bit better shot. But Herb's got the uncanny ability to, to be able to block three-pointers and not commit the foul in the process. He just kind of slides off to the side. His timing uh, is something to behold defensively because not only is he a five-star individual one-on-one defender, but he is a five-star help defender. He's five-star in the rotations. He does everything right defensively, and he's going to commit some fouls from time to time, of course. But, man, he is so smart to be a rookie in that position. And I think C.J. McCollum said it best. He was like, you know, this is the most unbothered guy I've ever seen at his age. Speaking with John DeShazer, color analyst on the Pelicans Radio Network, also writes for NewOrleansSaints.com, covers your Saints two days before the draft. Would you have ever thought, J.D., two days before the draft, um, the city can't wait for game six on Thursday? Nah, nah. I mean, I I don't think anybody would have said this. I mean, if you go back – you know, six weeks ago, nobody would have predicted this. And now to have this event to basically dwarf the draft and, and look, the draft, the draft is big. I mean, the Saints have two first-round picks. Sure. But you're talking about an opportunity. <laughs> I mean, game six is going to be a possible closeout game for one team or the other. We're hoping it's going to be for the Pelicans if they win tonight. But it's going to be a closeout opportunity for one team or the other. So it's going to be a huge, huge game. And so it dwarfs, to me, what happens in the draft that night. And I understand, man, it, it, the draft is always huge for every team. Mm-hmm. But, man, to have those things simultaneously happening in our city is something, man, and it's something I hope we get accustomed to. Yeah, at the same time, too, J.D., let's sneak one quick one in and we'll get back to the Pels because I have a question from a couple of fans about a play that happened in Game 3. But uh you got the insight over there, man. People know you. You know, you walk around. I'm John DeShazer, dude. Uh, the Saints aren't trading 16-19 and 19 for a quarterback, are they? Just tell me no. um, that's above my pay grade. I would say not. I would say not because because here, I mean, the, the Saints have seven picks, and what they need in order to be who they want to be, I think, is more players and not less. If you trade, if you trade up, you're giving up something, and you're going to have less players. And it's not a situation where I think the Saints are 
you know, one or two players away from getting where they want to be. And plus, you can pr- really get some quality guys at 16 and 19 mm-hmm. who probably can walk in the door and start uh, day one if you, you know, if you if you train them up right and get them in, you know, mini camp. And you know, if they're the smart guys and the tough guys that you expect them to be, might be able to walk into the lineup. And so immediately you get two starters, hopefully, if you're the same. So I think those picks, if it's me, and nobody asked me, but if it's me, I'm staying at 16 and 19, and I'm going to take the two picks. No doubt. I'm going to go either best receiver available, best lineman available, maybe even defensive tackle available with those 60-19s. I went to just makes sense, J.D. And I love what I've seen from Jameis Winston, these off-season videos and just him talking. I like, I'm legitimately rooting for the guy, aren't you? Like, he legitimately sounds like he cares, he wants to be here, and I'm excited to sort of see what he can do, you know, hopefully with Michael Thomas and a healthy line and all of that. Yeah, I mean, he was he was kind of, you know, he was kind of hamstrung last year. I mean, you know, you can go back as far as high school, junior high, whatever. I don't know that I've ever heard a teammate say anything bad about James Winston. Um, his biggest trouble in Tampa Bay was, you know, outside of, you know, he had some off-the-field stuff, of course, but on the field, his biggest thing was turning the ball over. And when he got to the Saints and didn't turn the ball over, now it's all of a sudden you want to see exactly what he can be as a quarterback. I don't know if you, you know, and I, and I heard the theory, you know, you package those two picks and you move up and you draft a quarterback, and it's like, wait, you're going to draft a guy who can't beat out who can't beat out the guy that you got, who, who probably can't beat out the two guys you got. Because mm-hmm. let's not forget, Andy Dalton has started a lot of games in the NFL. So now all of a sudden, that just doesn't make sense. But I, yeah, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him succeed because he's been such a breath of fresh air in terms of when he came in. He was a great teammate. He yeah. was supportive of, of everybody when he ran the scout team. You know, he did it with the kind of enthusiasm that made his teammates say, "You know what." I want to play with this guy. I want to see what he does when he's a starter. So I want to see him get a full, healthy season to see what he's got in it. All right, final five questions, uh, final five minutes with John DeShazer here. All right, dude, i got to ask you, because I don't know the answer, honestly. And apparently Antonio Daniels on the broadcast was confused by it as well. Game three, Jackson Hayes plows Crowder, strike call. But what callers have called about is, why did the play stop? No foul was called. Do you remember that? How it went down, and is that legal? When Jackson gets tossed? Jackson Hayes, yes. When he drives down the baseline, yeah. and and but the play stopped, but there was no foul called. Is what callers are saying? It's like why? Why were they allowed to stop the play? A or and, and B then go to the monitor to review that when no foul was called. Well, I, 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 you know, I'm perplexed on that myself. I mean, because I thought it, you know, I thought it was stopped. I mean, if it didn't stop, I guess they just stopped it after they, you know. Well, Chris Paul, yeah. What, what callers are saying is, a, yeah. Chris Paul went over to the official, and the official blew the whistle because <laughs> Crowder was going towards Jackson Hayes, so the play stopped. Yeah. Well, you know what? And maybe that's what it was. Maybe, maybe the reaction yeah. of Jack of of Crowder going toward Jackson was the. Was the impetus? I don't know. I don't know. I, it was so loud in there. I mean, you know, I just saw stuff stop, stop, and I assumed that the officials blew the whistle, yeah. and I assumed Jackson was going to get at least a flagrant one because it looked like he went in a little high and hot, yeah. and you know, didn't really make a play, a basketball play. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know, it, it was hard to hear. It's been hard yeah. to hear the last couple of games in there where it was, you know, where it's like you know, sometimes we don't hear the whistle at all. You know, we just look and the action wow. stops. 
from the radio booth, and then we're kind of assuming, okay, well, I guess the whistle was blown because you know, a lot of times it's so loud we haven't been able to hear much of anything. All right, man, let's get into it here. Final three minutes, 51-49 was the halftime score. The Suns had 34 points to the paint to the Pels 22. They shot 54% from the field to New Orleans 43. That 19 assists to 10, I've brought this up because at the end of the game, Monty Williams earned himself $15,000 fine by bringing up 42 to 15 free throw disparity, but I didn't feel like it. I mean, obviously when you get 32 points on the line, it affects the game, but I, I didn't feel yeah. like, you know, the, the, the Pels are benefactors of, of calls calls. I think they settled for jump shots. The TNT broadcast crew brought that up after the game. How key do you think the calls tonight are going to be? Well, it, it, they're going to call it tight. I mean, Monty Williams earned that 15, and, and it's a good 15 because now the officials, you can't tell me they're not going to be on alert. A guy as nice as Monty Williams gets a gets a, gets a fine uh, for complaining about the officials. So they're going to be on some alert, and I think it's going to be you know a lot tighter. And, and look, he, he's he's absolutely correct in that. You know, if there's a 42-17 to 17 disparity, I can't imagine, against the Pelicans, I can't imagine what the Pelicans fans or what I would be saying about that. I feel some kind of way about that. And so he did the right thing to bring some attention to that. Now, the Pelicans were uber aggressive in that game, attacking the paint. So they earned, I think, what they got out of that one. But still, if you're Phoenix, it don't look good and you don't like it. And you're going to complain about it. And I don't blame them from that standpoint because, again, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd be complaining too. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how tight they call it early in this one because I think both teams are going to be really aggressive early. Phoenix is going to want to get to the line more, and the Pelicans ain't going to be backing down. So there might be a flurry of foul calls early, (laughs) or they might just swallow the whistle and let them play. Yeah, because it's going to go one or the other, right? I almost feel like I think they can call it tight, but make sure they do it on both sides so it doesn't escalate because I think what happens if one side gets it, like if Phoenix comes out because – for those at the Smoothie King Center that thought Jay Crowder was unbearable Sunday, wait, wait till tonight. He's going to go full-fledged WWE. I mean, he's going to be flopping Oscar Jay, Academy. Jay Crowder, oh. yeah, Jay Crowder, yeah, Jay Crowder is a veteran oh. version of, of, of Jose Alvarado. I mean, the guys who get up, if Jose tonight. wasn't on your team, if Jose wasn't on your team, he'd get on your nerves. I mean, yeah. and Jay Crowder's not on your team, he gets on your nerves. That's what those guys do. Everybody... I think every team kind of needs that adjutant at some point in time yeah, in the playoffs. Call it. you got to have somebody that sparks the other team and just pisses them off and makes them mad and gets them to play, yeah. you know, do things that they ordinarily wouldn't do. And yeah. Jay Crowder's that guy for Phoenix. Jose Alvarado is that guy for the Pelicans. So as we wrap up, J.D., I'd like to be down by 10 or less at the half, down six or less with about four to play in the fourth, and then go steal it. Like, that. that's that's my way to get game five. What do you think needs to happen tonight? And a couple of callers already, including the last one last hour, said this, this to him. I think it was John. This needs to be a C.J. McCollum game. What do you think? Well, I think C.J. needs to, because C.J.'s been a little bit cold the last couple of games. But here's my thing. If the Pelicans protect the basketball, I think they win the game. Uh, they had low turnovers in game four. They had had high turnovers, you know, 15 to 17 in games one through three. Only reason they won game two, I well, the biggest reason they won game two is because they shot 17 to 31 from three-point range. They were able to shoot their way out of the turnovers. Last game, they played clean enough to where they didn't have to shoot their way out of it. If they play clean, especially on the road, they'll be able to keep it close because you're not giving Phoenix those extra opportunities. And you got to hope that Phoenix continues to shoot as badly as they have mm-hmm. 
from three-point range because they have been absolutely awful from three-point range. I think there's something like you know 11 to 51 in the last couple of games or something like that. If they can stay on that pace and the Pels can protect the ball, look, I think they'll win it. I think they'll, yeah. you know, I don't think they'll steal it or anything. I think they'll outright win it if they can protect the ball and if Phoenix shoots it that poorly from three. Yeah, I think Aiden's going to have his moments. I just, what I can't have happen, right, is Cam Johnson going for 30, Payne for exactly. 23. Like that, that's what can't happen. And they've missed the shots. I mean, the, the attention has been on Aiden and on Chris Paul. So if those guys do it, then maybe you have to switch your defense a bit. And that's when it becomes dangerous. Let's see what happens, JD. Um, Good luck to you because you're going to be next to the graph. <laughs> Let's see what happens. But I, I, I can't wait the Thursday, though, man. Can't wait. I can't wait, man. And look, Graf is settling in, man. He He's at a point now. I think, you know, he understands, you know, yeah, it's great magnitude, but yeah. the Pelicans are really in great shape. I mean, yeah. you know, again, who would have thunk this, you know, six, seven weeks ago? So, you know, franchise is in great shape. This team particularly is in great shape. You're 2-2. And it's the best two or three. It's a sprint to the tape right now, and it's anybody's game. Appreciate the time on a game day, bud. Hey, thank you. All right, there he is, John DeShazer, color analyst of your New Orleans Pelicans, at John D. The, the John DeShazer over on Twitter, and of course writes and covers your New Orleans Saints for NewOrleansSaints.com. It's incredible. Even somebody that's been covering sports as long as he has for the Saints, columnist, you name it, says that game six dwarfs the draft. I'm telling you, it's great to see it. That said, we're going to talk a little Saints. John Henry, Sports Illustrated, next. His thoughts on what we might see Thursday on ESPN. Spring is finally here. At Greg LeBlanc Toyota in Homa, we're ready. With truckloads of fresh inventory arriving daily. Plus fantastic deals like the all-new redesigned 2022 Toyota Tundra. Or the fuel-efficient class-leading MPG with Camry and Corolla. Greg LeBlanc Toyota is also giving you top dollar for your trade. Go ahead and shop the inventory online now at GregLeBlancToyota.com. These outstanding deals won't last long. Nope. Greg's got the deals. Shop South Hollywood Road. Homa. Stop, drop, and let the good times roll. The Thibodeau Fireman's Fair. Thursday, April 28th through May 1st. Live music, pay one price rides, live auction, food, drinks, Sunday parade, one mile, and 5K run and walk. And this year, you better get a bigger wallet with a $15,000 raffle prize. Plus, live music takes the stage all weekend long, including Friday night, it's Nashville recording artist Chris Cagle, and Saturday night, Louisiana's Lou For all the festival info, go to firemansfair.com. The Thibodeau Fireman's Fair. Always free admission, always fun. Tiger Drive and Thibodeau. I was surprised. I was definitely surprised. Yep, we had no idea. Totally surprised. Um, can you say jaw drop? Who knew? State Farm with these great rates? The surprise everyone's talking about is the surprisingly great rates for home and auto insurance from State Farm, especially when you combine them. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today. 985-632-0988. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. 
They say that once you give him control, he'll own your brain forever. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. 800-998-1003. We've had some, uh, some interesting things. Normally, it's Jordan the intern that has uh, funny phone issues and things of that nature. Buddy, apparently, John J. Hendricks, as your way, you can follow him over on Twitter. <laughs> your phone's not working, John, so we're going to do the Jordan Kleber way and go via Zoom. How are you today, John? I'm good, man. Yeah, I don't know. Verizon's stripping, and uh, they don't have an answer for me, so <laughs> shout out to Verizon today. <laughs> well, normally it's uh, cable companies and the electric companies, so I guess we had to add somebody else in there, dude. Um, this sure, is, why not? This is nuts because normally, I mean, dude, I'd have you like in block one. This would be the focus, but, man, do you, as somebody that covers the Saints, kind of get a sense and feel that a lot of people want to talk basketball this week? Yeah, I mean, look, it's an exciting time. you got a team that's in the heat of it, and, uh, you know, I mean, look, they have a little legit chance for the sun, to beat the Suns, and, you know, obviously it's going to be a crazy on Thursday night because I think for once you might maybe have basketball take over a little bit of the focus as opposed to football. But, again, people are going to tune in, and I guess you're going to have to be torn, so maybe you can just watch see if the Saints pick and what they do and then head on over to Smoothie King Center and go watch the game. You know, I tried to go to an insider who literally is an insider. He has an office inside the Saints building and John DeShazer just now, John. And I'm like, come on, come on, let me know, man. Tell, tell me, just tell me this. I don't need to know who the pick is because obviously you don't know who's going to be there, John. But can you at least tell me they're not going to use 16 and 19 and go quarterback? And he said it's above his pay grade, but isn't think so. And he gave us reasons for that that make sense. So, John, I'll start out there with you. I know the national media likes to think that that's happening. We've seen reports. You don't really think the Saints would take 16 and 19 to go get a quarterback. Then you're looking at like five, aren't you, to get above the Panthers? And my goodness, man, I, I just I don't see that happening for reasons that I think are logical. Yeah, look, here's what I would say first and foremost is you don't have to trade both of your first-round picks to get into the top 10 and that's using Jimmy Johnson's draft pick formula that he developed way back when because 16 is worth a thousand points and honestly you could package 49 and get into the top 10 it just depends if somebody wants to be able to pull the trigger on that right and so I don't believe the Saints need to trade up to get a quarterback I think they need to stand put I think that the biggest thing to watch is an offensive lineman is that going to fall to you you can definitely get one of the top wide receivers in this class, and I think that's where you have to have the attention. I don't know if Jamison Williams is going to last. I was really high on him. I thought he could slide back and get there at 16. But, you know, the way things are working out, you're almost going to be in a position because the Chargers are right behind you. If the offensive tackle falls to you, you can't wait. You're going to have to take that guy at 16 so somebody like Trevor Penning might be available because – the Chargers are right behind you. They definitely take a tackle. And then at 19, you could potentially get Chris Olave or maybe it's Drake London or whoever is going to be because you got the Eagles right in front of you there, and they're going to need a wide receiver for sure. So really interesting, but I just don't buy the whole quarterback vibe. I just think that you have committed to Jameis. Your contract's built around him to, to do well. You've got a solid backup plan in Andy Dalton. I would think putting somebody or drafting somebody, especially getting aggressive and trading up, just to have him sit on the bench is, is, is a wrong answer. At John J. Hendricks is the way to give him a follow over on Twitter. Saints lead writer, reporter for Saints News over at SI. You know, one of the things that, John, along the lines of what you're saying, because if you're going to do that, then you're telling me that you that you think 
he's better than what you have, and I just don't see that in Pickett and Willis right now. Willis, everyone says, is a project, not ready to start right now. Pickett's the most ready-now guy, but then you're telling me as a better arm than Winston, has a better understanding of the offense, is going to be able to do more things, because at the very least you're telling me he's starting next year. You're not going and doing all of that if you don't think he's going to start for you next year. So I just I don't see that right now. So I'm thinking receiver, tackle, receiver, D-tackle. Like, And I don't care if it's 16 or 19, because I think receiver will be good at 16 or 19. I, I would love Chris Olave and probably Penning, I've seen Jordan Davis be in there. I think that would be fantastic to help shore up that line in the middle as well. I'm in love with Olave, and I, and I like some of these receivers. I'd be happy with Traylon Burks at 19. I, who do you like, and where do you think you would go if you had 16 and 19 staying put? Yeah, well, Williams has definitely got to be my top guy. I think from a, a route-running perspective, James though, Olave is a guy who's okay. just absolutely just killer, right? And I think Olave fits the bill. And look, the thing is, you can go in a day two and still get a quality guy. I mean, and a real quality guy like a Christian Watson from North Dakota State. You could get, obviously, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. I mean, there are just tons of receivers here. And so, honestly, the Saints don't have any excuse not to get better at this position, right? And so, I think at 16 or 19, you've got to use one of those picks. Um, I think, it, you know, when you look at it, uh, Williams is the guy that I, I'd go first. Alave is probably second. Then you look at London, Drake London from USC. He's probably more of a Michael Thomas type of guy. So, I mean, maybe you have him on the outside, or maybe you get somebody that like Alave that is going to put in the slot that allows you to get really creative, and he's got the route running. And, look, I say all that to say, look, you invested in Jameis Winston. You've got to give him a chance, and you need weapons to be able to do that. And so I think that you have to come away with one of those picks as a wide receiver. You could wait till day two, but I just don't see it with their – their needs and, and banking on just Michael Thomas coming back. I mean, you know, you got Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, and Deontay Hardy. But, look, uh, it's a, in, in fairness to what the Saints have, you've got to have a solid number two guy, and yeah. that's what one of those are going to be for you. I keep bringing up this guy's name here as well, possibly probably because I saw a report on it. You know, Zach Tom from, uh, what is it, Wake Forest, highest RAS score as a center. Um and I know I say that, and Saints fans go, stop. We don't need a center. But he played left tackle the last two years. He last played center in 2019, but it kind of shows me how smart he is. You know Saints love offensive linemen that can play dual. I'm not saying that 1619. I'm saying that maybe 49, right? I mean, I mean like at 49, you still have a pick inside the top 50. We have seen, John, the Saints move up in the second round to go get another targeted player. Yeah, look, and I, you hit an offensive lineman. I, I like Darren Kennard out of Kentucky. I think he's somebody that obviously can play a tackle. He can play in guard. He's got some real physicality to his game, real nastiness, kind of like a Trevor Penning, but just not as, as prominent, I guess you could say. But, you know, look, that RAS score, I mean, it was a big deal. Everybody jokes about it, but the Saints do value guys that have yeah. a big RAS score. And, you know, a perfect 10 is, is not uh, uncommon, but it is rare these days. And so I could see the prospect fitting, and, and that's the thing you're going to get with when you get uh, drafted by the Saints. You're not playing a traditional position. Obviously, some of these guys have to make their bread and butter on special teams, but linebackers, you don't play just one position. There is no, I'm just going to play in the middle. No, you play all over because that's what dictates it. Same thing on defensive line. They try to get creative. The edge guys twist inside. Defensive linemen sometimes drop back in coverage. So, again, no matter who they take, even if it is a center 
I mean, Ruiz was a center, but they moved him to a guard spot because of how Eric McCoy was playing. And so I could see the fit there. Still, if they don't get it tonight, I mean, on Thursday night, I still could see them getting an offensive lineman in day two. Obviously, won't bring about the buzz of like a Penning or Charles Cross or some of those guys. But, you know, look, I still think they could get away with it and and still be happy with what they have. And it's going to be telling on James Hurst. Look, and I'll I'll say this, you know, I know there were a lot of Saints fans who probably got it as well, and I saw you commenting on social media, on Twitter, throughout the free agency period of Saints fans just unhappy. I need some action. Give me some activity. Who are we signing? Why didn't we sign this? Why we haven't signed that? And I'm like, man, look at this draft. There's certain areas that they need that are deep. Lineman, receiver. And then you kind of look at what Jeff Ireland has done since he's been here. And I'm not saying that's 2017, but I don't have to. I mean, last year, the – Post day one acquisitions, you found your starting second corner in Adebo. You found a guy in Pete Warner that you're happy enough that John, it doesn't look like they're going to resign Quan Alexander. I mean, you're, you found some guys and, and they've always done that on Saturday, on Friday that start or become good players on this team. So that's why I, I, I've been saying for the last several weeks, relax, pour your favorite beverage and they've earned this. Trust them. Yeah, and I think so. And look, you know, the other part of this too is we've talked a little bit about somewhat as a safety position. That's a bit of a concern for me because obviously you had Malcolm Jenkins retire. Yep. You had Marcus Williams leave for Baltimore. Marcus May and PJ Williams are presumably the guys that start there, right? And then you have CJ Gardner Johnson, CD Deuce. He's going to be the slot guy. JT Gray's Warrior special teams. Daniel Sorensen is going to play the Jeff Heath role. And then you've got Justin Evans who's making a look at com- a comeback. So, Again, people have mocked safety to the Saints. I think that's something that could get late. But I also think that maybe there's a chance that they could sign to run Matthew after the draft. I mean, I just think something like that could happen. Right. Not so much a Jarvis Landry, but I, I think Matthew's a guy that you know, his camp's going to heat up once the draft's over. And a lot of these players, you know, guys like Ken Crawley might find a home afterwards. I mean, there's so many that are going to move. But, look, the Saints have done a pretty good job overall. Um, with the draft process and even you know last year with Peyton Turner before he got hurt you know I remember that Carolina game he was he was doing really well so again it's a crucial year for some of these draft picks but overall I think the Saints can find a lot of gold on day two I mean Alvin Kamara was a day two pick you know what I mean and, and yeah. they traded up to get him so again just because you get somebody in the top 20 or top 30 doesn't mean that they're going to be absolutely set the world on fire and unless we remind people of Stephon Anthony you know, <laughs> and that's all the time we have for John Hendrickson. <laughs> that's it. Your time is up. No, look, here's the other thing too, man. We're going to have fun with that probably tomorrow or even Thursday. The, the all time worst draft picks by the Saints. And I'm not ready to put Peyton Turner in there. I had a call earlier this week. They're like, Peyton Turner, like he got hurt. And, and quite honestly, he showed when he was healthy. He's going to be good. That D line has the potential, especially dude. Can you imagine if they add like a Jordan Davis in the middle? Because you saw the effect of not having on Yamada had on this team. If you could strengthen the interior with the DNs that they got, and you brought in street, I mean, just to kind of keep those fresh legs going, dude, it's already their strength. And I know you lost two starters at safety, but that if you could have a dominant D line, that'll take you a long way. Yeah, again, that's the the great debate, right? If you get a strong pass rush, it takes pressure off the secondary. I mean, I think you can see a lot of that happening, and so. 
Look, I, I'm, I think the interior line is pretty good myself. Okay. And again, I think David Onyemata does need to get pushed a little bit. I think that's really the biggest thing there because, you know, you bring back Shy Tuttle, you get Jaleel Johnson, you re-sign Jalen Dalton, who was really brilliant in camp last year. It's unfortunate he had that triceps injury, but hopefully he can come back. I mean, you have a lot of depth at that position that could potentially work out. Um, you know, in sub rushes, they'd like to put Tano Passignon in the middle when they rush three. So, I mean, there are ways they can go about it. So, would it surprise me if they took a D-tackle? I don't think so. I just think that on paper and looking at the depth chart, they do have a lot there, and there's just not enough mouths to feed. But, look, again, if they do get one of the guys from Georgia, man, it's it's going to be very telling, I think, what they say about David Onimata. And, uh, look, it, you, you can't get go wrong with having a, a killer interior guy. I mean, look at Aaron Donald. I mean, this guy can do everything yeah. right. So, if you can get anybody that's a close resemblance of him, oh. I think you've got to roll the dice. Especially with a guy like Ryan Nielsen, right, to, to help you kind yep. of get the maximization of your talent, man. John Shea Hendricks, the way to follow on Twitter, Saints lead writer reporter for Saints News at SI Now. Feel free to go scroll, except not too much, on his Twitter timeline because he just retweeted a video of the guys at the NFL Network, including Ian Rappaport, about the Saints should take a quarterback at 19. Other than that, though, go give John a follow <laughs> That's two John didn't say that. It's the other guys. Thank you, bud. Appreciate your time. No, no problem. Thanks for having me as always. Uh, for sure. I'll play what they had to say coming up at 245. But up next, we'll go back to the hardwood as we will chat with Christian Clark. He is over in Phoenix. We'll talk to him as we get you continued ready for game number five tonight. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store. And you get free pickup on all orders, $35 or more. Download the new Rouse's shopping app on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Place your order, choose your curbside pickup time, and your Rouse's Market's personal shopper will shop your order for you and load your groceries into your car. It's just that easy. Rouse's Market. Feels like home. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in La Rose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. Uh, dashboard light problems? We can help. Our free fix finder service can read your check engine light, ABS light, and service indicator light. And give you possible solutions, verified by licensed technicians. You'll even get detailed results sent straight to your email so you have them when you need it most. It's the most complete free warning light report backed by technician verified fixes. The free fix finder service, only at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. More details at AutoZone.com. At CDW, we get the path of progress is complicated, but CDW Amplified Services experts can collaborate with you, develop roadmaps, handle deployment, and manage your environment so you can achieve your goals faster than you thought possible. From implementing advanced cybersecurity techniques to optimizing your multi-cloud environment, we'll help you design, orchestrate, and manage the solutions your organization needs so we reach the finish line together, but you get all the glory. CDW Amplified Services, people who get it. Find out more at cdw.com services. 
He's back. He's like the thing that wouldn't shut up. He's got his own catchphrase. He's the best invention since they started frosting Pop-Tarts. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Back 800-998-1003. We'll have a open segment next segment, but we kind of continue to get you ready for, of course, tonight's game five between Phoenix and the Suns. 107 okay, Jose steals the ball from Chris Paul. Now down the floor. It is laid in on a reverse from Herb Jones. Great pass from Brandon Ingram. Grand Theft Alvarado with the initiation and Herb with the layup. Mr. Christian Clark covers your New Orleans Pelicans for the Advocates and the Picayune. Sir, good afternoon to you. How are you? Dude, what's up? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm out here in the desert and uh, <laughs> having some fun right now, for sure. Uh, it's incredible. I wanted to send you this earlier, and I'm doing it now because I want your reaction on it. My buddy, who's a diehard Saints fan, Thomas, down the street, he lives like three doors to to the left of me. He even texted me yesterday. He's like, dude, I think I need to go to game six. I'm going to go see. Hopefully the tickets aren't that crazy. He sends me this caricature. Somebody drew a cartoon. <laughs> and I just sent it to you. If you want to look on your phone, Christian, it's Chris Paul. It's four squares. And, you know, I guess what? He's on the courts. He's in the locker room. He's pumping gas and he's sleeping. And there's a pelican that has a red headband and what can only be referred to as Jose Alvarado hair. <laughs> so, in other words, he's shadowing him wherever he's at. Jose Alvarado I, I don't even. What do you call him? A, a, a cult hero, a star? Me? What is he? Uh, I don't know, uh, but I know it's Jose Alvarado's town now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're just—it's New Orleans belongs to Jose Alvarado. It's—it's uh, it's insane, man. I mean, what? Like, I'm curious your thoughts on this too. But like, why do you think New Orleans loves him so much? Like, I think—I mean, I, I think they really identify with the underdog and, yeah. and Jose is that. Um, you know, he's showing love for the city and like, you know, they, I think it goes back to that thing Drew Brees said, like, if you love New Orleans, they'll love you back. But yeah. like, what are, what are your thoughts on just like why there is such a connection between Jose and the city? I, it's interesting you say that, Christian, because I think it's what I've been talking about recently the last couple of days as to why there's been an organic growth and connection between the fan base and the team. And I think, Christian, it probably stemmed from, I think fans just getting sick of hearing how they're not good, how they don't care about basketball. Zion can't win here. AD can't win here. I think it just builds to a point where, you know, you just want an effort. You just want, I I think, I think people, maybe even me, I just wanted to see a team that cared. I just wanted to see somebody that goes out there and plays hard. And I think that's why Herb at first, right? Got that love and feel. Next thing you know, they're selling his shirt at the store. And then this guy comes in, and as JD, you know, brought up earlier, that you know, if if Kyra Lewis doesn't get hurt, are we even talking about this guy that has taken over the town, Christian? It's crazy when you think about it from that perspective. But I think it's, I think it's just the feeling that fans have had, and this guy plays with that emotion and energy because you know what, you know this, your 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 normal fan having a beer is sitting here going. I don't make the money these guys make. They're watching KD, Kyrie, what's happened with the Lakers, guys that make way too much money in their minds. They don't put out the effort. Here's this dude, literally trying to earn a check. And I think they relate with that. I, I, I think that's why it's a combination of things, but I think there's a relatability to Jose Alvarado. 
Uh, I, I think, you know, we probably, this never does happen if, if Kyra stays healthy. I mean, I think it's extremely unlikely, and a lot of the people who work for the team will, will kind of admit that. Um, that being said, I, I think you're, you're spot on. Like, Pelicans fans were in the desert. They were walking, you know, in the desert for years. Eric Gordon did not care. Yeah. Eric Bledsoe did not care. I mean, he's just, Eric Bledsoe is just stealing money. And, yeah. you know, you get, you get the Jose Alvarado, it's like, oh, my God, this guy, like, not only does he care, he might care more than, like, any single player in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeremy Wu, the, he's, like, the draft writer for Sports Illustrated, he wrote before the draft that, like, Jose Alvarado might be the hardest-playing prospect he's ever scouted. Um, so, you know, I give the front office credit, too. Like, they kind yeah. of had have had this vision the whole time of, like, we're going to draft guys who want to be here, who play hard, yeah. and, like, it took a while – for that to like add up to something, but it clearly has. And Christian, to I guess their credit, because sometimes it doesn't happen that way. You have to marry those players to your coach. You know, we've talked about it in the past on this show. The job Willie Green's been able to do. Give me from an analytical standpoint, though, because I, I keep saying this earlier in the show today. By game five, you've seen as many adjustments as you possibly can. I don't know what else you can sort of adjust. It's almost like, like seeing a team again in a divisional game for the second time or, you know, what have you in a conference. But from what you've seen Willie through four games, you've seen him grow, haven't you? You've seen him make mistakes, but you've seen him grow. And, and I thought closing out the way he did game four, he coached with his eyes and his gut, but he coached with what he was seeing on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I think like one thing they did specifically that was good was they matched Jonas Valanciunas's minutes with JaVale McGee's. Like anytime JaVale was in there, Jonas was in there. And Jonas just kicked his butt. Um, and I, I thought that was a really nice move. Um, you know, they've done so many different things against Chris Paul. It's like, it's hard to even keep track of it all. But I think generally speaking, like, you know, being aggressive in spots in the pick and roll, like getting the big up and like trapping him here and there is good. Um, and I, I think there was just overall an emphasis of like, they just need to be more physic, physical on defense and impose their will a little bit more in game four. I mean, the Suns had five turnovers in game three. Like it was just, you know, they, they didn't face like a ton of pressure. And I think the Pelicans just made them feel them in game four. And I'm really curious if that can continue tonight on the road. Right. All right, so pretty much everybody in hour number two had no guess. It was all calls. We all believe that the officiating is going to be something. Uh, Monty Williams earned $15,000 fine. I, I think it's going to go on the other way, right? The officiating, Christian, makes sense uh, or makes sure that it doesn't get out of hand because both teams are going to be coming in to try to be physical, to try to establish, quote-unquote, set the tone. We've heard the coaches and players talk about setting the tone. So I do think officiating is a storyline today. How do you see it shaping up, though? Yeah, that's that's going to be really interesting to watch. I mean, you know, like the, the Pelicans all season long were just good at getting to the line. The Suns, that was one of their few weaknesses. So you felt like, well, you know, if the Pelicans have two clear-cut advantages coming into the series, that maybe they can beat them up on the offensive glass, and they have, absolutely have. And, you know, maybe they can have an advantage at the free-throw line. Um, and they've they've really exploited those things, but I mean, yeah, it'll, it's going to be closer than forty-two to fifteen or whatever it was in Game Four. And I think the interesting thing for me is the Suns have shot the ball awful from three-point land the, the past two games. Like you just look at all of the regular season games, like the number of threes they made in three and four were you know among the fewest they've made 
all season. Is that something that picks back up at home? And if it does, you know, can the Pelicans withstand that? I, that's what I keep saying to me. My, I think my key to the game or just kind of what I'm expecting. Can the Pels just be down 10 or less by halftime and six or less by the fourth quarter? Although the graph says, here's the problem with the Suns. If they're leading after three, they're 49 and 0. <laughs> they're 49 and 0. So, um, I almost feel like, I mean, do the Pels need a lead then after three? <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think they're capable. Like they just, you know, like coming in, I, I predicted, Suns and six, and you know this. Obviously, we were all assuming that Devin Booker was going to be healthy. But you know, I said in my my uh, prediction for Noel.com, like the Pelicans are not they're not a normal no- number eight seed. Like they just have more top end talent than number eight seed. So I thought right. that was kind of why I could be more competitive than people thought. And I think that's kind of borne out in the series so far. Like you know, a lot of number eight seed don't have Brandon Ingram, you know, CJ McCollum, those caliber guys, and and a number three score like Jonas Valanciunas. Christian, who needs to be big for the Pels tonight? It, it, you just mentioned his name. I think Jonas, right? I mean, the games that he's felt like he's had an impact offensively, they've won in games that we felt that he hasn't had an op- offensive impact. They've lost. We had a caller earlier say this needs to be a C.J. McCollum game. What, what do you think needs to, to happen with a certain player tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of to the point where it's like, man, I feel like you can just count on B.I. and C.J., um, I mean, I would, I would probably like say Jonas. Um, I mean, we, we saw just, you know, how impactful like him having a really nice night was in, in game four. That the three pointer from the top of the arc, by the way, is first three since April 1st. So, <laughs> you know, we're approaching like uh, a month almost since he'd hit one. So that was, that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, he's like, like he has his limitations defensively. We all understand that. Like this is, a hard series for him on defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the Pelicans can't just bench him. Like he's just got to score. Like he just has to score if they're going to win this series. <sighs> what happens tonight? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Um, I think the Suns are probably going to – I think they're they're due from three, unfortunately. And I think uh, that's going to make it hard. But I, th- I think it'll be close. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think game six, regardless, is going to be fun. The energy, man, I, I I know you were busy working and not that you would ever do this, but still, man, I, I wish you could have heard today's show. It's been incredible. It's been awesome. The the amount of people that have confidence, Christian, that have called that think they, they can win, they're convinced if that happens, game six is a done deal, that they're going to win. Um, the, the change in culture, man, has been incredible. Even Scott Kushner, who I had on to lead the show off, man, Said the same thing because we, we, we've all covered it when it hasn't. And to think that you were at this point, John DeShazer said it. It's dwarfing the NFL draft on Thursday, game six. It's crazy to even remotely think that weeks ago, much less ever or beginning of the season. And it's all happened in like a period of five months. And, right. you know, it's not like, like, of course, moves they've made, like you didn't yeah. see it for a while and like they're, they're bearing fruit now, but like, the results have just completely flipped in five months. I mean, I, you know, I haven't been doing this for as long as you, but like, it's just, it's just crazy how much it's flipped in such a short amount of time. George, seeing you Sunday, dude. Uh, stay away from Andrew Lopez. He's bad news. At least that's what Jordan <laughs> says. That's what Jordan says. At C Clark underscore one thirteen, they hate each other. Uh, always a pleasure, man. Enjoy the game. Give him a follow. We'll be tweeting throughout the game as well. And of course, read his stuff over at the Advocate and the Picky Thanks, bud. Safe travels back home. Yes, sir. See you. Yeah, for sure. Final segment just like that. I don't know where three hours went. 
Oh, I'm ready. I'm not nervous. I'm just antsy. We're ready for the games. Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. Time is measured in minutes. But life is measured in moments. And your mom was there for all your biggest moments. His mom is my wife. Bobby is my son. Mother's Day is coming. The Together Forever Diamond Pendant is perfect for Mother's Day. $169.299 all the way to $1,695. I love you to the moon and back. Is also perfect for Mother's Day. At just $99 each... You can get one for yourself. And one for your mom, too. We also have them for $149 and $499. Diamonds, diamonds, diamonds. Or? Or what? Or we have hundreds of other perfect gifts for Mother's Day. Like a pair of big diamond stud earrings. They always fit, and they never go out of style. And you get full value forever when you trade up for a larger pair. Only at Ramsey's. The largest diamond store in Louisiana is Ramsey's Diamond Jewelers. On veterans between Bonneville and West End and Metairie. Set yourself up for success when planning your next event. Whether it be a festival, Mardi Gras rodeo, or outdoor music venue, Joe Septic Contractors knows that it's important to cover your bases well before the days of your event. Joe's Septic Contractors can supply 1810 3-2 stall restroom air-conditioned trailers anytime, anywhere, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Planning an event? Visit Joe's Septic at viscom.net with locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fouchaw, Abbeville, and Reserve. Want more from your bank? Open a Cajun Pride checking account at State Bank and Trust Company and enjoy the benefits. Unlimited check writing, overdraft protection, online banking, mobile banking, debit card, ID theft assistance, safe deposit box discounts, prescription drug discounts, shopping, travel, entertainment discounts, and much more. Call or come in for more information about applicable fees and terms. State Bank and Trust Company. Cajun Banking. Served just the way you like it. State Bank and Trust Company. Member FDIC. That man's got some stones. Believe me, he is no wood. His legend lives on. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. 800-998-1003 if you want to sneak in a phone call here right before we go to Matt Musco. Don't have to further review. I promise I'd play it when we spoke with John Hendricks. Covers the Saints two days from the NFL draft. Saints at 16 and 19. I mean, I'll still do the show with professionalism Friday, but I'm going to have a hard time not getting a... Well, you know what? Not if the Pels win. If the Pels win on Thursday, <laughs> I may just blow over it. I'm just be like, well, and by the way, over in the NFL draft yesterday, your New Orleans Saints traded 16-19 and combined to get a quarterback. I just, I don't see it happening. But don't tell that to the national media. Ian Rappaport, just now, well, just now, but, you know, hour ago. NFL Network, Andrew Siciliano. Could the Saints use their first-round pick on a quarterback? Yeah, one of the more intriguing trades that we've seen prior to the draft was the New Orleans Saints picking up an extra first-rounder right in the middle of the first round. Now, for the Eagles, that made sense. They wanted to get out of there, wanted to add a first-rounder for next year. I get it from the Eagles' sense. The Saints trade, though, left everyone wondering, what were they up to? Were they basically setting the stage for a big move up. They now have the artillery to move up, uh, the ammunition, I should say, to move up uh, if they want to in the top seven or maybe six or maybe even five. Could that be for a quarterback? Could that be for a tackle? Seems to me to be too expensive for a move up, but we'll see if that's something they end up doing. But then you mentioned the other part of it. Could these Saints just stay where they are, 
and potentially take a quarterback. They've done all the homework on all the first-round quarterbacks. They had them into their building. They have an out to the pro days. And, of course, we know they have Jameis Winston under contract, just a two-year deal, which means you could have someone come in, sit for a year, and then possibly take over for Jameis next year if all works out. Maybe the first massive decision for new coach, Dennis Allen. I see. You yeah, go. So they didn't exactly say it's going to happen, but there's a possibility that it could be like that. I, I, I don't know if I could do that in my marriage, right? Oh, I guess you kind of, kind of say something without saying something just to make sure you're covered on both ends. Actually, that is probably the key to a successful marriage, isn't it? <laughs> to do that. See, I'm still learning, still learning. Um, look, we're going to talk a lot more about this here. I just, I, I I'm just shocked that. It, Nowhere that one minute and five second was receiver mentioned. Stanley, you got the final phone call of the day that been good. Closes out strong, sir. You got two and a half minutes until Buddy plays the music. All right. So I was at the Pels game Friday night, and I took me and I had my three sons with me, and it was absolutely amazing. Even though we lost, Mm -hmm. it was still like, it was just awesome. My boys, who don't even watch the basketball game with me, the basketball games with me, they was pumped. Like, they was, Dad, who's whatever, you know, B.I. Yeah. and all this other stuff. So I was sitting there trying to tell them who, what was, and all that stuff. But they was just super excited. I was excited. I, I completely, like, thoroughly enjoyed the game. I loved it, even though we lost. But it was awesome atmosphere. I do think that if we could just hit a few more shots, Man, we would be so much better. Like our freaking free throws. If we hit those things, yeah. we could be better. That three point loss, that could be the difference in the game. Yeah. But you know, it's, that's one of those things that comes with the game. Um, and I think they're going to win tonight, and then that'll put the pressure on the Suns, and hopefully we can close it out Thursday at home. But that's just my. That's how I feel about that. No, Stanley. As I think far we'll... as the Saints, as far as the Saints on the quarterback situation. I don't think we're going to trade up to get one. I I feel like we're just going to sit there and see how it plays out. And how it plays out is what's going to happen. So if you, if Carolina doesn't take a tackle and they take a quarterback, if Atlanta or Seattle, you know, take a quarterback, I don't think they're interested in all of them. Maybe just one or two they might be good on. That if he fell to them, they would do it. I think it really all depends on how it plays out. What's going to happen? Do I, yep. I feel like taking and it gets to the Saints pick, then they might take one of the quarterbacks. That's just then they'd have to pick of the litter and you know who they want. Either. Yeah, but I think if they go quarterback, I, I Stanley, it, it's going to be at sixteen. Or, it'll be in sixteen or nineteen. I just man, I don't see them going up to five. You're right. And as we watch I, on I Thursday, it's when Carolina trading, goes. Though, you know. Yeah. Got to run, bud. We'll talk a little bit more, man. Glad you enjoyed the game. Matt Muscotten after further reviews up next. Don't forget, a special one-hour pregame starting at 8, 9 o'clock tonight right here. Tip time. We'll talk tomorrow on ESPN New Orleans. Woke up this morning.